Hello, residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Mike Estefan, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Rabbits Insurance. We will talk more about Pearson Rabbits later in this episode. Today is round number, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, Mike, 21 of the game. I think we're up to 21 now. We are. This is getting pretty, we're getting pretty far into this here. Um, Mike, you're going to need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format. You'll have 15 minutes to complete the case. And for everyone that's listening, he has no idea what the case is ahead of time. These are, uh, cases are created by me. They're not derived from actual ABEM cases that I had. They're not real patients. Mike, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you. Outline a human body on the left side of it and let me know when you are ready. All ready for you, Zach. All right. Dr. Estefan, this will be a single patient encounter. You will have 15 minutes to complete the case. Before we begin, do you have any questions? No, sir. Let's go. All right. Let's begin. Dr. Estefan, you're working at Clerkship General, and EMS calls in over the radio. A young adult female drowning victim arriving in one minute. Okay. Uh, oh, boy. All right. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's clear a bed in the bay and get airway equipment at bedside and get a team in there. All right. Um, you got the team in the bay. You got a bed ready. Um, EMS arrives. They're pulling in. All right, great. Um, can I get the story from EMS? Sure. Um, they're coming in pretty quickly. Hey, Doc, uh, we got a young, she's about 22 years old female. She was at that, there's that apartment just down the street. Uh, they were, friends were getting in the pool, and uh, next thing they know, they just saw her floating there, and they, they pulled her out, called 911, uh, started some CPR. We got there. She had a pulse. We're doing some assisted ventilations. Scooped and run. Cool. Um, did you get a set of vitals on the way? Uh, sorry, doc. No, we didn't. All right, cool. Um, thanks guys. Uh, were, were there any like drugs, alcohol, anything else going on I should know about? Uh, not that we saw, not that we saw. She's just there with a couple friends. Okay, great. Um, let's transfer her to the bed and, um, how does she just look general appearance? Um, she looks, she's still got some like half cut off, like wet clothes on her um and they're doing assisted ventilations with the bag valve mask okay is she breathing spontaneously um kind of not really a couple like spontaneous breaths pretty slow okay um let's fully undress her we can cut her clothes off let's get two large bore ivs and let's get an opening set of vital signs all right, so um, completely undressed. You got two IVs, opening vitals, uh, heart rate of 55, uh, respiratory rate, uh, maybe five or six, just kind of slow but assisted. They're doing BVM. Um, blood pressure is 110 over 82. O2 saturation is 90%. Okay, and is the, the BVM hooked up to oxygen? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, okay, well... We are bagging here for now. Um, let me just do a quick, um, like tertiary, not tertiary, a quick exam. Um, I listen to her lungs. What do I hear? Um, you listen to her lungs and they sound pretty kind of coarse throughout. Okay. But she has bilateral breath sounds. Yes. Okay. Um, 
any signs of trauma anywhere um what are you looking for um deformities bruises rashes abrasions anything that sticks out just her laying there no okay um let's see let's get her in a c collar um because we don't know what well you said no signs of like head trauma no bleeding nothing like that no signs of head trauma okay um we check all of her crevices her armpits slash axillas her groin we roll her holding c-spine do we see anything no okay how are her pupils uh normal reactive reactive okay um if i sternal rub her does she arouse to that uh not really no okay um all right oh i uh, near drowning this is this is a good one this is a good one um do we know anything about her no okay <laughs> uh did we get a name uh, her name is Tori Poling. She had an ID in her purse. Okay, great. Can we have someone, uh, pull her up in the EMR while we're continuing with the resuscitation? And once they have her looked up, we can look up any meds, any past visits, any past medical history, anything about her, her age. Yeah, doc, we're not seeing anything. She's never been here before. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Well, let's see. We have... A patient who's somewhat hypoxic who is being bagged with shallow respirations her pupils are normal she does not have pinpoint pupils um let's see she's a good pressure but she's somewhat bradycardic all right um should prepare to take her airway and just to clarify do you want to see color or not yeah put a c collar on <laughs> I don't know what happened. I don't know if she has like a Jefferson fracture or something crazy. Um, okay. Let's, uh, I guess let's take her airway. Okay. Describe the procedure. All right. Um, so let's, so we have our bag valve mask. Let's get um, suction. Let's put a, na a nasal cannula on 15 liters under the BVM for some pre-oxygenation. Um, uh, let's see. We have suction. We'll go, we can go video, um, video DL with the gladoscope, um, DL backup with a bougie, um, have that all at bedside, have surgical airway procedure at bedside, like a scalpel, a bougie. Um, we can give her 20 of atomidate and a hundred of rock. How big is she? Do we have a weight? Uh, 70 kilos. All right. Yeah. 20 atomidate under a rock. Um, push the atomidate first before the rock. And then um, I insert the video. I scissor her mouth open, insert the kaleidoscope midline. Do I have a view of the cords? What do I see? Do I you see do. any edema? No. See, it looks like cords. Okay. Um, well, let's pass the tube, pull the stylet out. We'll hold it in place. It's a seven five. Let's say seven seven five tube. We'll put it at like twenty two at the lips, twenty three at the lips. Um, get her hooked up to end title. Does she have bilateral breath sounds? Do we have end title? She does. Do we have... Yep. Respiratory is securing the tube. Tube looks good. 
Okay, um, we can start her, I guess, on uh, propofol and fentanyl drip. Um, do you guys have the nursing titratable protocol? We can start prop at like 20, fen at 50, yeah. Yeah, they'll start it. Cool. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, let's, let's get an EKG now that she's intubated and a chest x-ray and... Um, I want a CT scan of her head and her neck. Chest x-ray, EKG, CT of her head and her C-spine, anything else. And then uh, lab-wise, oh, man. Let's get CBC, BMP, um, lactate, troponins. Oh, my gosh. I forgot to ask for a temperature. Holy crap. And a blood sugar. Um, before I order those labs, can I get a temperature and a blood sugar? Um, yeah. So the blood sugar is 100. Um, you got a nice, a nice, uh, temperature now of 95. Okay. Um, and so CBC, BMP, trope lactate, you said a temperature of 95. Yeah. Okay. Um, other labs we could do, uh, near drowning. Did she like syncopize? really don't know what else would... Um, chest x-ray and EKG are obtained. They should be crossing um, on the chest x-ray. Oh, that looks ter- terrible. That looks like ARDS. That looks like full-blown like ARDS. Um, so for the listeners, she has bilateral hazy infiltrates that cover her entire bilateral lung field. At least she's intubated. Um so I feel like I did that right. <laughs> um, yeah, for now, just C- CVC, BMP, lactate, trope. Um, we can get LFTs. I don't think much else is going to help me. And an ABG. Let's get an ABG on her. EKG should be crossing too. Um, and as for her vent settings, um, can we do six cc's per keg of ideal body weight? We can start her at an FiO2 of 100% and titrate her down based on her ABG. Um, set her rate at, I don't know, like 18. Um, peep of, ooh, with that x-ray, if I set her to a peep of 8, what's her pulse ox with those settings? 98. All right, peep of 8 sounds good. Very good. RT will take care of the vent. Cool. Looking at this EKG, it is sinus bradycardia. Um, cool. Uh, <laughs> there has to be more that I am missing. Um, CT scan of the head and neck are back. Those are normal. Um, labs are back. CBC, BMP, lactic, troponin, LFTs, ABG all look good. All right. Um <sighs> And can we get a repeat, a full repeat set of vitals? Um, sure. So uh, she's starting to warm up. Temp 98, heart rate of uh, 55, respiratory rate, vent, blood pressure 120 over 80, O2 saturation 98%. All right. Um, well, let's, let's just uh, let's call the ICU. Uh, the nurse notifies you that the patient loses a pulse. Um, oh, God. All right. Um, start compressions. Uh, get her hooked up to the Zoll monitor or the defibrillator. Um, 
Let me examine her real quick. Let me examine her. Does she have bilateral breath sounds? Does she have JVD? Um, she has bilateral breath sounds. She has uh, no JVD. Okay. Um, what's the rhythm show? Um, it shows polymorphic VTAC. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, let let us shock her with two hundred joules um immediately and while we are doing that let's get uh two grams of mag going um and we can push that shocked at 200 joules um two grams of mag given per pharmacy she goes into normal sinus rhythm okay um oh let me look at this ekg one more time um her qt is like eh it's a little prolonged uh, repeat set of vitals now that she has a pulse. All right, let's check a pulse. Um, she does have a pulse. Okay, <laughs> repeat set of vitals. Um, you're going to repeat a set of vitals, and the nurse notices a rhythm change on the monitor, sending it your way. All right. Uh, she's back in normal sinus. They just wanted you to see this. It was very brief. It was only a couple seconds. Um, all right. Let us... Uh... So she's going in and out of polymorphic VTAC. Um, let me, can I talk to pharmacy? Um, sure, pharmacy's down. ICU's actually come down as well. Okay. Heard about the um, pharmacy wants to know. What I want to overdrive pace this woman. It looks like she has a borderline prolonged QT, um, and she's going in and out of polymorphic VTAC. Um, I want to start her on isoproteranol. What kind of dosing would I <laughs> use for that? Um, five mics per kilogram. We'll start it, and that ends your case. All right. <laughs> oh, All man. right. Oh, that was a good case. All right. Good job. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. Um, before we get through all the details of this, everybody, I'd like to take some time to talk about our sponsor for the month, Pearson Rabbits Insurance. Pearson Rabbits is my personal disability and life insurance agent. Stephanie Pearson was an OBGYN who was injured during doing surgery and became disabled herself. And so she is now a champion for physicians as they buy disability and life insurance. She's an actual doctor who has been through it. She's not just some like business grad trying to sell as many policies as possible. Like she's an actual doctor. Stephanie Pearson has been there. Early in residency, even as a graduating med student, you need to reach out and start shopping for your personal disability insurance policy. So your personal policy that you're going to carry forever, you're going to literally keep this until you you retire and you don't need it anymore. And the sooner you get it, the cheaper it will be. And that cost, that premium that you pay, so the earlier you get it, the less of a premium you have to pay because you're healthier. And that premium will then, it locks in for as long as you carry the policy. So the more you wait, the more you end up paying for premiums every single month. And that's just how it is. And so you get things like resident discounts that stick with you for life if you buy early enough. The premiums are cheaper when you buy as soon as possible. So this is one of those like financial things that really is, it really is time sensitive and you want to buy it as soon and as early as possible. I personally bought this as a resident. Go to www.pearsonravits.com. No commitment, just set up a meeting and Stephanie uh, will help you figure out which policy to buy and when to buy it. Thank you to Pearson Rabbits for sponsoring this episode. Now let's wrap up our case. That was fun, Mike. Ooh, it started off so, it started off very actually kind of, 
I felt like it started off a little slow. Just even with the the fact that EMS wasn't even there yet threw you off of your kind of your normal just rhythm a little bit. Just even having to do that. And then it was kind of like it was just kind of, you know, piecemealing through this. And then at the end, I mean, that was like racing down a highway. <laughs> oh, that was fun. How do you think you did? Oh man, you had me sweating there. I was <laughs> I was cooking in an oven. Man, um, yeah, I think you did. so I, th- I, I think I did. I mean, okay. I mean, I, I was not expecting like a pure recess case. So I still feel like I'm missing a lot of things. Um, I've never seen a near drowning. I know kind of the textbook answers for managing like near drownings, but not actual drownings. Um, I think I handled the things that occurred during the case okay but um yeah i definitely started off slow yeah i thought that you did you did pretty well and i think you hit all of your drowning stuff um so like right off the bat let's just go through each critical action one at a time um so first critical action was intubate the patient. Uh, you did that well. You described the procedure. You even described long protective ventilation with that chest x-ray. So, I mean, that showed, you know, that was pretty astute of you. I feel like you got your settings about right. I'm not like a, an intensivist, but I was like, those settings sound pretty good to me with, you know, ARDS, um, pretty bad drowning looking x-ray. So you did that. <clears throat> And the very first thing you did also was good because you evaluated the uh, the cervical spine. You were looking all over for trauma, and I think you decided to put on a collar. Yeah, I think you decided to put on a collar in the end. Yes. Um, and initially you weren't going to. So run me through your thought process on that. So I mean, what was running through my head was why did she drown? You know, this was like a pool party surrounded by a bunch of friends. Like, what happened? And so I was just, you know, the case was intentionally limited by information. And so I was just running through the what ifs. And one of the big things is diving headfirst into a shallow pool. I think it's a Jefferson fracture. It can cause it's an unstable C-spine fracture. Um, And obviously if fractures that high up, you get concerned about paralysis and then leading to drowning. Yeah. and, And I think that's a good thought process. The, it's not, so like the way I was taught was, oh, you're always putting a collar on all these drownings because of cervical spine fractures. So I think they've actually done a study on this because as I was preparing for this episode, apparently it's super rare to have a cervical spine fracture with a drowning, unless it's like a clear cut, like head injury type thing. Like if you jump in and you hit your head hard enough that you shatter your C1, like you tend to have some bruising and stuff on your head. So the actual real life answer is probably you don't need a cervical collar. Although I don't think I would push it at all on the actual exam day. And I'm pretty sure I would just put on a collar and, you know, clear it at some point. But I think the, re- the real world answer is actually it's probably very low risk in someone who doesn't have any signs of trauma. Okay. So, um, but you handled that perfectly. That was a, a critical action. Um, let's see. And so you did a cursory exam. You were a little delayed on your um, temp and on your glucose. It happens. Um, I thought all of your labs were appropriate. Um, you know, the LFTs, I wasn't sure what you're quite going for there. So then the next critical spot in this, um, in this case was the EKG that I sent you. And so what did you think of the EKG? So, uh, initially just looking at it, it looks fine. Um, it 
you know, in somebody who I wasn't concerned about much cardiac ideology, and, um, you know, I would write this off as somewhat normal, but looking back at it, um, the QT is, like, very borderline. I think that QT is pretty long. You know, I, I'm not sure how exactly calculate. I mean, if you look, uh, we can post a picture of this maybe when we do the episode and everyone kind of chime in. Yeah, you know, I look at a lot of EKGs for QT, and this QT I imagine is is actually pretty long. Um, looking like lead two. I mean, just look how far. Oh yeah, I guess the. I guess I'm looking at the the peak of the T. I mean, yeah, it's. It's that's a long QT. Yeah, you know, it's no, just no, in, the, in right. QT a lot of times too. I feel like these prolonged QTs have like a big T wave, and um, like they kind of you see that final slope of it really just kind of slur out. Um, but I would say that that's a pretty classic long QT. And in fact, the EKG I was initially going to give you was also a long QT, but I wanted to pick one that was a more obvious Q, long QT to kind of help you out. Uh. I mean, looking like V like V four, I feel like that one you can tell it's like I don't know, it's it's pretty long. Um, one, two, I'm just counting like boxes here. Three. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think you're, you're into that long QT territory for sure. No, I, I definitely agree looking at it now. It's subtle though, right? It shows you how, how everything on these cases, like you have to really pay attention in the things that I always felt like on actual test day was the EKGs that stressed me out the most because there's no, it's not like, you know, the specific number you know, they give you the CBC and you're like, that hemoglobin is fine, right? The EKG is subjective. And so you could, you, yeah. you find yourself looking at it a couple times to make sure you're not missing something. And I find the EKGs on test day will be pretty stressful because it's not as black and white as some of the other tests. Um, but yeah, so long QT. So now with that said, I think you're a little delayed in picking that up. But with that said, what is, what was kind of put the case together? What do you think happened? Uh, so... This person has congenital long QT syndrome. They went into a tachydysrhythmia, probably torsades or polymorphic VTAC, leading to drowning. Um, and then it happened again here in the ER. Yeah. And I think, too, probably. So so let's talk about this a little bit. So, again, I was reading this case. I wanted to do a drowning case and put in kind of a hook. I mean, a lot of the cases you'll get on your test day, it'll be something you'll see something straightforward at the beginning and there'll be a hook. Um, it reminds me of the case we did where it was like I want to say it was like a, a fall. It wasn't like a geriatric fall with like a four knees. You know, there's always like. The, the punch and like that, that hook, you know? So, yeah. um, I wanted to come up with the hook and I was trying to decide what it was. And so I actually started off just reading about drowning. Cause initially I was going to do actually the hook as a cervical spine and go Jefferson's. That was my initial thought. Mm. And then I was like, and then I started reading, I'm like, you know, this is actually pretty uncommon that you get cervical spine fractures with this. I'm not sure that's the learning point that I want to teach. Cause I'm not sure how accurate that is. So I needed a second one. And one of the other interesting things I saw when I was preparing for, when I was reading about drowning is apparently this long QT drowning thing is actually very common and they think it's one of the ways they think a lot of these drownings are actually people with long qt um jumping in kind of bradying down when they hit the cold water type of a thing and going into torsades they think that there's actually probably quite a few of these um and that it's probably under recognized and i was like well that's interesting <laughs> so you know um that was kind of where i took the case um but I, i'm my understanding is that, you know, people jumping in and getting like some sort of tack, some dysrhythmia, right? Because what causes you, so what's the biggest risk when you have a long QT syndrome? Uh, like um, bradycardia. 
worsens it. Right. And so you think you're jumping in. I mean, I grew up in Minnesota. So when I did that, you know, that May 1st <laughs> jump into the lake, you know, ice, like that's freaking cold. Like you don't breathe for a couple seconds, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, like I'm sure my heart rate is probably about 40 when I jump in, like huge vagal response. Right. And, um, so it, it's, it makes sense that it would be a classic trigger of mm-hmm. someone who has like a congenital long QT, otherwise healthy. They don't go to the doctor. So no one picks it up because they never had issues. And then they're a kid and they jump in the water and boom, it triggers. So, um, that was kind of how I designed the case. So now you were all over it. And, um, on test day, actually, I, I made a mistake because I should have had like a straight up torsad strip and made you interpret it. And I actually did not have that prepared. And I tried to scramble while you were talking and I was I couldn't do it fast enough. But I should have, you know, that would have been better. I th- You still would have seen what it was. Um, but on test day, they're not going to say they're in polymorphic VTAC. They're going to have an <laughs> actual strip for you. Um, you were right on with the magnesium. Um, and you're right on with your dosing too. So you actually give the the magnesium push and then um, you start them on a pretty heavy drip. Um, one of the interesting things there is it actually doesn't matter what their magnesium level even is. It's still helpful. Um, even if they have a normal magnesium. Mm. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but you did that critical action. And then um, I had it set up. I was like, once he starts the magnesium, I'm going to put him in and out of VTAC unless he gets the overdrive pacing. So that's really, so what is the purpose of overdrive pacing? So it kind of goes back to the concept of bradycardia resulting in a longer QT. Um, So if you can increase the heart rate, uh, it shortens the QT duration. And if this is um, a polymorphic VTEC that is indeed caused by long QT, because I believe there are types that are not caused by long QT, um, then overdrive pacing, increasing the heart rate, will decrease your chances of going back into polymorphic VTAC. So you can do that either mechanically with um, you know, transcutaneous pacing and set the rate at like 120, 110, whatever you want, or you can use um, beta agonist therapy. And the IV formulation that I was always kind of taught to use was isoproteranol, which is, I think, an IV beta-1 agonist. Yeah, you were spot on. I mean, so you were technically, you probably went about 15 minutes and 30 seconds. You were a little bit over, and I was being generous. But I wasn't going to, I was like, he's either going to know the isoproteranol and just order it, and I'll I'll, I'll give it to him, or if he's... <laughs> Pause it all. I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to, he's not going to make it. And you were just right out. You're like, start out. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> I definitely had one of those cases on testing. Again, I'm not, I can't talk about the specific cases, but I'm pretty sure it was a generous tester. And it was in the last, you know, you could tell like the time was out. And I looked at her with like this, like, oh, please don't stop me. Let me. And I just like word vomited like three critical actions in like 10 seconds. <laughs> Because I actually made her laugh, and then I saw her check a bunch of boxes, and she said that ends your case. So <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Um, so you, when you feel when you feel like you're running out of time, I mean, you got to start hauling and just being like, oh, I want to start this and this. So you did a good job on kind of picking up the pace there, because um, you were, I mean, you were out of time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, spot on with the overdrive pacing. So like, if you have someone, just to be clear, and we'll do a deep dive on this, but if you have someone who's in polymorphic ventricular tachycardia, also called torsades, right? Um, the first thing you do is you shock them. Like that's the treatment. The next treatment is magnesium. So it's magnesium and shocking are like the two core, um, 
treatments with that. Some, if you wanted to do like an antihistrythmic, some people use lidocaine. I've had a cardiologist recommend lidocaine before. You don't want to do anything that'll prolong the QT. So amiodarone, you can't do. Procainamide, you certainly can't do. Um, you could maybe do lidocaine. But it's really magnesium and shocking are like the core. Like if you think polymorphic VTAC, Torsad, you're shocking, you're giving magnesium. You don't like overdrive, just to be clear for everyone listening, because I used to, this is used to be my understanding of it um, before someone explained this to me, but it's not that you're overdrive pacing someone out of Torsad. You're overdriving pacing somebody either with isoproteranol or like a transvenous pacer or something to prevent them from going into Torsad. So when they're in Torsad, you're shocking them and you're giving magnesium and, you know, maybe lidocaine. And um, when they're not in Torsad, but they're going in and out of it, that's when you're going to overdrive overdrive pace them to prevent them from going back into it, if that makes sense. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you're really lucky that you went to isoproteranol because you wouldn't have had time to float a pacemaker. But I was like, oh, I wonder if you'll float a pacer on this case. So I had all of that ready, too. I'll have to make you do that some other time. Um, that would be a fun little procedure. <laughs> but I don't know. Two procedures in one case. That's pretty That's pretty brutal. That's pretty brutal. Um, but, yeah, you actually – so believe it or not, Mike, uh, you hit every critical action and actually nailed the case. Um, <laughs> And you, I, you know, you might've been a little short on time, watch, watch out, you know, things were a little slow in the beginning. And again, this is about how it should feel. I feel like this is a, would be like a good example of like a type of case you could get on test day and it, you start off and it's going to kind of make you a little, you know, if you lose too much time in that first half of the case, by the time you figure out the hook, you're really going to have to be cooking to be able to get all of your critical actions in, um, and but the other thing, too, is uh, just have a little bit you'll, – you'll have some cases, Mike, where it's like EMS will be here in a minute. And so it's a little bit different. It's not just like, all right, what, I walk into the room, what do I see? But it's, all right, let's uh, clear bed. Let's get the, the resuscitation team to bedside. Let's get some airway equipment, which you did. Um, but sometimes they'll just throw that in there, and it throws off your, your cadence a little bit, and it just kind of messes with you. Um, and they're like, all right, now they're here. <laughs> you know? And it just it, – so you don't – it just it breaks you out of like that habitual like I walk into the room what do I yeah. see and they make you just say something different and even it was it was really funny listening just doing that like you you couldn't even like talk for like five seconds it was pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> um, like uh, I was stunned uh, in, in fear <laughs> so um, you know they can kind of phrase things in different ways do you have any other closing thoughts Mike um, no other than that I that was a really well put together case props to you that was I like that that well, was thank you very pleasant. much pleasant thank you. <laughs> That was a pleasant. I feel like, was that, like was, a, that was a good. That was yeah, a good it case. was a, a fine line between making me sweat and you know being obtainable. It was good. Yeah, and again, just watch out with that time, especially early in the case. Other things that you can lose time on early in the case would be, um, like the like if you talk about if you spend like two or three minutes walking through your physical exam, um, be careful there. You you need to. You need to do a thorough physical exam, but you need to not do it over the course of more than a minute. You know, you really need to fly. And you're usually pretty good at that. Um, you don't want to get too down in the weeds of like counseling and taking history with like, diff like you really have to kind of move to get into the second half of the case and figure out what's going on. And then the other thing too, you're almost ready to admit that patient. Um, and uh, you could have just missed the prolonged QT thing, you yeah. know? So you... Just, you don't want to go too fast. That's the type of thing where you're done in five minutes and then you're like, I must have missed something. And you totally would have, mm -hmm. right? You would have been missing something. So, um, but yeah, I feel like I was pretty proud of that case too. I felt like that was about about right as far as what a real case will, what will feel like. 
So, um, otherwise, how's residency going? You're you're almost done. Are you? You're almost a senior. Yeah, man. Um, I have what is it? It's mid-April as we're recording this, late April. Um, so I have two months, a little less than two months left of second year, and then I will be a third year. Uh, That's crazy, man. I've you've you've blossomed into a. You're pretty sharp. I mean, this was not an easy case. You're getting. You can tell. Like I don't know if you. I mean, I can tell the progress that you've made since when you were a med student till now. I mean, can you imagine doing this? you know, two years ago, like, heck no. Oh, no, <laughs> no. Also, so also, you can it, tell you're, you're listen, training hard out there. I listened to that uh, that aspirin overdose case from early on in the series a couple weeks ago, and oh my God, it made me cringe so hard. But it also was uh, pretty cool to see, you know, like that was me a year and a half ago. And, you know, as a med student, one of the big things that – you know, I would fight myself with every day. Like I would see these awesome residents and I would be like, how do they have time to learn this stuff? And how are they so good at what they do? And, you know, it happens. Everyone gets better and everyone gets to that level. And I'm living proof of it. So for you med students listening, it will happen. Yeah. And, you know, for everyone that's listening, it's not like there's only 20 core cases that you need to know. I mean, I have a list. There's like 100 things I could do. You know, every month it's pretty easy. I'm like, oh, let's do it like this. Like there's so many different directions. You, like the, the, the scope of emergency medicine is so big. It's really fun because there's just so much stuff that you end up seeing in a career. So anyways, that's what that's why we love the job. Right. That's why we love it. So um, but that that wraps it up. Um Everybody, send us emails. I'm Zach at emclerkship.com. You can send him moral moral encouragement and support, although he doesn't need it. He's probably going to be all, like, walking confident here after this one. Uh, but you can email him at mike <laughs> at emclerkship.com. Uh, send us messages. We'll try to get back to you. And um, keep, until next month, uh, actually mid-month, we'll do an episode, a deep dive. But until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift. <laughs>